Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pater Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. We are now into the doldrums of summer regarding Penn State football, so we are going to dive into some of the recent headlines, especially regarding the new official hiring of Penn State Athletic Director Pat Kraft, formerly of Boston College. We had talked about his rumored signing last week, but now it's official. He's been introduced to the media uh, and at his pr- first press conference earlier this week. So we're going to touch on what Pat Kraft is going to bring to Happy Valley. Also, we're on the heels of the NFL Draft Weekend. Penn State had a big showing altogether with eight draft picks, plus a number of players that were picked up as undrafted free agents. Our own Matt McGloin is going to touch on that. I was somebody who obviously knows what the draft process is all about. And speaking of the draft process, some rather uh, discouraging and rather terrible uh, story coming out this week uh, regarding the evaluation of Jaquan Brisker, who was drafted by the Chicago Bears, and the comments of a now former scout uh, that were especially deplorable. We're going to get Matt to dive in and tell us a little bit about what the draft evaluation process is actually like, some of the questionable things that might come up and just how that went for him looking back. And now, obviously, we're diving into the summer. We just got done with spring practices. So what is the summer really like for a Penn State football player? So we're going to dive into all this stuff here in a moment. Thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications. And a big thank you to our partners at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures and don't forget major league baseball is back in full swing who are you picking to win the world series bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite vegas casino and poker games it's super easy to get started so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit the pater podcast is presented by bet online where the game starts and of course funk brewing is the official craft beer partner of the pater podcast now of course we're big fans of the citrus ipa and silent disco ipa however we want to let you know about funk brewing's pipe dream hazy imperial ipa it's got hints of lemon rind strawberries lemongrass and finishes like a fruity new zealand sauvignon blanc the pipe dream hazy imperial ipa is available now you can get pipe dream at funk's tap rooms now in emmaus elizabethtown and york of course you can find Funk Brewing products at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Speaking of Funk's tap rooms, we want to let you know that the tap room in Emmaus has moved locations. Now there's even more seating available in a very comfortable environment, plus a big screen and several more TVs, plus a permanent Flavor Nation food truck on site. For more information on the new Emmaus location and more, visit funkbrewing.com, especially to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. So, Matt, as I mentioned, the 15 spring practices for Penn State football are over. Um, Student athletes will be winding down their classes here in the coming weeks and uh, just kind of gliding into the summer. So from somebody who's experienced multiple times, what does a football player do in the summer in between <laughs> spring practices and August training camp? You try to relax as best as you can, you know, but like, like as a student athlete, there never really is any downtime anyways. You'll like, you know, I always took summer courses, you know, so I didn't have to take as many courses in the fall. So, um, 
You overachiever, you. <laughs> but that look, that was it was the easiest thing to do, right? Because you don't want to if there's an easier way to balance academics and athletics mid-season, you try to find a way to do that. Like I said, so you usually take a lot of classes throughout the summer in both sessions. Um, but a lot of conditioning, a lot of lifting, right back in the weight room, trying to put I always I mean, I was never a big guy, Tom. Like, you know, a little over six feet tall. My plane weight was you know, 205 to 210, somewhere around there. But like this summertime for me, it was important to really get into great shape conditioning wise because you knew how how draining training camp was. But with that, I, I also had to put on weight too, which, which was very difficult because I knew day in and day out throughout training camp, I was going to lose weight as well. So everything from May, June, and July, it's all about prepping for training camp, getting ready, getting better for that. A lot of player-led you know, film sessions, uh, player-led throwing sessions on the field, reviewing spring, right? going back to the spring. All right, what did I do well? What didn't I do well? What did I like about the offense? You know, What are some of the things maybe I didn't like about the offense? Um, you, know, you have a conversation with your quarterback coach, you know, your head coach. Um, you talk to the wideouts, running backs, offensive line, you know, ways we can improve, uh, areas we need to get better. Um, it's just constant communication. But again, you know, spending a lot of time in that weight room prepping for camp and prepping for that long year um you know is is going to take up a majority of your time this summer now obviously technology has improved vastly since both you and i were in school because that was over 10 years ago and that's depressing to think but at the same time (laughs) uh you know having just gone through uh you know the 2020 season the 2021 season where the Zoom call became so popular, and obviously that was the primary way, the only way for quite a while there for the better part of two years that coaching staffs were actually communicating with their players. So you would like to think maybe they've got that style of commu- communication down pat if people are in different locations. Uh, my question to you is like, you know, you were the, a team leader, you're the quarterback, so obviously you're, you're looked upon for leadership. How often during the summer is it like, hey, so-and-so slacking? so-and-so might not be in the weight room or you have to take it upon yourself to check on somebody and monitor their progress. You know, looking back, like even heading into that 2012 season, really, Tom, you know, guys were motivated, right? And and you understand everybody kind of moves at their own pace. Everybody works out differently, but, you know, we all held each other accountable, Mm -hmm. right? It was more it, it, it was it was motivating in a way. Everybody was positive. Everybody was working together, and that started at the top with Craig Fitzgerald, right? And it and it and it trickled down to his assistants, and it trickled down to the players on the team, right? Everybody picking each other up. Like it wasn't negativity is something that you know you don't want to have to deal with throughout conditioning drills, throughout lifting, throughout that whole entire process throughout the summer. Um, you know, so again, and we had great leaders on that team, but we also had great underclassmen, you know, that that knew their role, wanted to be coached, wanted to earn playing time, wanted to stand out. So, you know, working hard was never, you know, I, I don't think that was ever a problem for a lot of guys that we had on that team because again, you know, and, and that year was different, right? Heading into 2012, um, everybody just wanted to be a part of that year. Um, and contribute in any way. So that that really was like one of the more impressive off seasons I think um, we had as a team, just because of the way guys worked. Mm-hmm. And especially for this present Penn State football team, yeah. a lot of this time is just monitoring the rehabilitation process 
for guys, especially like PJ Mustafer, right. who you expect to be back by September. You got to speak to him at the blue white game. That's what I'm curious about as more information comes out as the summer progresses is that, hey, this guy's on track. This guy really ramped it up, et cetera. Uh, that's what I'm curious to see this time of year because, as you mentioned, there's not as much of a spotlight on the day-to-day goings-on. A lot of information in regards to recruiting. A ton of visits are upcoming next month. Um, and I know you and I pay attention to the recruiting stuff, but at the same time, you know, just looking at the blue-white game, some heralded recruits that came in, Nick Singleton looked fantastic, and then you've got Drew Aller that yeah. has work to be done. Not everybody because of the star ranking next to their name and their future projection means that this is something to really get jacked up about. It's just give this time. So all this recruiting news that comes out, it's like just one step at a time and we'll see you in 2023, 2024, et cetera. One of the things, Tom, too, I've learned about the offseason um, is how fast it goes by. Mm. You know, because we're, we're, we're going to be sitting here next thing we know, it's going to be the middle of July and we're going to be talking training camp preview. I can't wait. For yeah. Penn State football, <laughs> Let's do right? it. But, th- but, that, but that's what I'm saying. It, it goes so fast. So the last thing you want to do as a student athlete, as a football player, is think to yourself, well, I've got some time, right? I've got some time to relax. Um, I've got some time to, you know, sit on the couch mm. and do that. You don't. You really don't. You have to understand it's a process. You, you have to understand you only have a certain amount of lifts. You only have a certain amount of conditioning drills. Right. You have to make a most of this, you know, 12 week block that you have here to really prepare yourself for training camp because it's not the spring. Right. There is no. All right. Well, let's see what works for us. Let's see what doesn't work for us. Where are we good Mm -hmm. at? Where are we bad at? And then we'll get better from you don't have that time. You don't have that luxury throughout training camp. You need to hit the ground running from day one because, again, it it just you don't realize it when you're in it. But when you get to like the first week of the season, you're like, I can't believe training camp's over. Here we go. Let's right. go. And by that time, you're in such a routine. You're so used to it um, that uh, you're ready to play. And uh, it's exciting. Yeah, that time to tinker has happened. It's over. <laughs> and now it's, it's, hey, everybody get in shape, stay in shape so that you're ready to go by August. So that can get molded into that very clear picture of not only who the starters are, who you're going with, but that last leap to get everybody in shape for the season. So obviously uh, let that marinate over the summer. Uh, the biggest headline, Matt, from this past week was off the field. It had to do with the new hiring of the brand new Penn State Athletic Director, Pat Kraft. You and I had talked about this last week, formerly the Athletic Director at Boston College. Um, this was rumored to be in the works, and it was finally uh, finalized and made, uh, made real. Um, Pat Kraft was introduced to the media this past week, uh, sat there with, uh, Neely Benaputi and uh, the new president. And this was really exciting for me because I think he just came off so naturally mm-hmm. uh, in his uh, his press conference. I know you got a chance to see it. And he just seemed like a guy that understood what was there. He talked about winning for every single sport, understand the importance of football as somebody who played linebacker as a walk-on. I figured you'd like that oh, yeah. at uh, Indiana <laughs> University. And you know what was refreshing to me? You know, considering we're just coming off the the E60 on ESPN, the Paterno legacy, uh, where it was shown in that that James Franklin was not willing to have any sort of conversation to discuss Joe Paterno in any capacity. You understand uh, that it may be an edict of him saying, hey, I'm just not going to talk about that. And it's about the here and now. Um, I like that Pat Kraft was asked a question about Joe Paterno and he didn't shy away from it. He, He spoke about his experience with him when he was a player. And he was able to field that question in a way that it was like he understands the root of the good 
from the Paterno legacy in terms of success with honor. It's something he said consistently through his press conference. Um, so personally, I was just thrilled to see somebody not ducking that mm-hmm. and embracing that because this is a complicated program history. And so to see him take that on from day one, I was like, okay, this guy's ready to go. What did you think when you heard Pat? Speak? Yeah. Yeah. Really well said, Tom. Um, he was real. He was authentic. Right. That that's like, that, that's the first thing I took away from from watching the press conference was, you know, this is an emotional guy. You can tell how important this is to him, what it means to him. He talked a lot about his family. Um, it's going to be very different at Penn State with this guy in the most exciting way possible. You know, you mentioned some of the things about Penn State and the tradition and the history of Penn State. Remember, he, he spent two years as an athletic director with Matt Rule at Temple. You know, Matt Rule obviously being a Penn State guy, um, you know, they went 10 and 4, 10 and 3. Um, you know, so, and, and again, he, he's a football guy, right? He played the Big Ten. He's worked in athletics in the Big Ten, both at Indiana. Um, you know, and, and, you know, looking back at what he's done at, at Boston College, hiring Jeff Halfley again. And Boston College has been competitive, mm-hmm. right? You know, they'll have a chance again this year. So, you know, I think it's a great hire. Um, he seems motivated. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, it just seems like it'll be different this time around. I've, I've got, I've, you know, I've got that feeling that uh, not that it wasn't, you know, before, but I'm just saying it, it looks like it's just that they're heading in, 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 in a different direction. Well, you and I had the uh, the conversation with Mike Porman of StateCollege.com a number of episodes ago. I believe that episode is labeled the state of PSU football with Mike Porman. I encourage people to check it out. And Mike basically referenced this series of hires, one being uh, Dr. Neely Bendapudi as the new president, and then this new athletic director as kind of a shifting of power. And that uh, Mike was referring to it as in the past, it had been James Franklin at the absolute top of the decision making within the university, that now things are kind of switched and that based on paper, the president is at the top, the athletic director is second, head football coach is coming third. Obviously, there's a lot more complications that we're not going to dive into there. But still, there there appears to be a restructuring of power. And I see a lot of Penn State fans being very hopeful about this because of the average results, especially that the football team has put out there for now going on two, three seasons in a row. Uh, There was a lot of hoopla over the 10-year contract extension that James Franklin received. His buyout jumped by leaps and bounds. Uh, We talked about that when it came out, and it's well-documented what those numbers are. They're astronomical. However, it does make people think, Penn State fans thinking, maybe a couple years down the road, there could be some changes in a big capacity in terms of the uh, what this football program looks like. Do you think this is the beginning of that or this is just an overall, you know, uh, overall getting the leadership in order? Um, yeah, you know, I think, look, that's what, and that's what I meant by it's going to be different in the most exciting way possible, right? It just seems like, you know, Pat Kraft is there to make changes and, and make them in the right direction. You know, he doesn't seem like somebody who, is going to take orders or, um, you know, have, have somehow have a coach have more power than him or make all the decisions, you know, but it just, it, it just, it just seems different, right? He just seems like a guy who's there. He wants to win. Um, he wants to be a part of something special and he wants to do things the right way. Yeah. I'm very excited about Pat Kraft. And again, I think he handled himself, uh, fantastically, uh, in his yeah. opening press conference because, you know, th- this is a program with a very complicated history. 
and is trying to move back to especially a football program uh, that can be successful, that can compete for national titles. But I was refreshed to hear him talk about every single sport. You know, all 31 sports are uh, critically important. It's maybe, you know, you can argue the best wrestling program in America, Mm -hmm. a hockey program that's got a lot of pride, a basketball program that last year with Micah Shrewsbury did some really exciting things. Um, You're trying to elevate plenty of women's sports across the board. Volleyball has been a staple of Penn State for a long time. So for him to come in and realize the breadth of what Penn State athletics means, I think is really, really special. Uh, Before we go any further, we do want to take this opportunity to let you all know about our Good friends at Thon. All of us involved here in the Pater podcast are, of course, proud supporters of Thon, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. Thon is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. Thon is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, Thon has raised over $203 million in the fight against childhood cancer and counting. To learn more about Thon's year-long efforts or to donate, visit Thon.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with an initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels and use hashtag Tag Me In and hashtag Tag Me In United. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. Uh, To the point you were making before there about uh, Pat Kraft, I do like that relationship with Matt Rule Mm -hmm. from Temple. And I was very encouraged to see Matt Rule's current team, the Carolina Panthers, grab a couple of Penn Staters. So, you know, maybe those guys can talk, you know, in the next (laughs) couple of years. I would love to see that. Matt Rule, if you're watching. So let's talk about the NFL draft uh, this past weekend. Uh, I'm always astonished that so many people head out to one location, in this instance, Vegas, to not watch any football be played and to just watch guys get their names called and walk out on a stage and hold up a jersey. Like It's still unbelievable to me, but (laughs) I love the draft process. You've been through the draft evaluation process, so I definitely want to hear from you about what you thought about this, but just to go through the Penn State players first off that that did get drafted. Uh, Jahan Dotson, first round, 16th overall to Washington. Arlette Bichetti, second round to Atlanta. Jaquan Brisker, second round to Chicago. We'll talk more about Brisker in just a moment. Brandon Smith to the aforementioned Carolina Panthers of Matt Rules, fourth round. Uh, Jordan Stout to Baltimore in the fourth round. Tariq Castro Fields of San Francisco in the sixth round. Rasheed Walker to Green Bay in the seventh round. And then Jesse Lucetta going to the Arizona Cardinals in the seventh round. Uh, this was a record-setting year for Penn State, Matt. And that, as I mentioned uh, when we opened the show, eight picks uh, for Penn State in this year's draft. It was the most of any Big Ten team this year, but it was also the most picks in the draft mm-hmm. for Penn State 
since 1996. Wow. When you see where all those guys landed and you hear those statistics, what is your first reaction? I'm not I'm not surprised because you look at the names on that list and it's like, yeah, every one of those guys deserve to be drafted. But then at the same and we've talked about this on the podcast before, Tom, like the talent is there. The talent is never it's not it's always at Penn State and it has been since James Franklin has arrived. There's no problem in recruiting. There's no problem bringing in talent year in and year out. But it's having that talent help you produce wins year in and year out. Right. There were more draft picks than wins. A year ago. Um, so I think that is the most frustrating part about this past weekend is you saw what could have been right in, in 2021. Um, but again, congratulations to that, those guys. And look, drafted or not drafted, you know, it's not the end of the road for you. You have to continue to work hard. The most important thing is getting your foot in a door with an NFL team. And then you make the most of that opportunity, right? All you need, Tom, is somebody to give you a chance in the NFL. Like nobody makes more mistakes in the National Football League, right? When it comes to talent, when it comes to scouting players, selecting a guy in the first round, fourth round, seventh mm-hmm. round, undrafted, whatever, it doesn't matter. Not a science. Right? OTA, minicamp, training camp, preseason. That's when you show out. It does not matter again. You can forget about, you know, where a guy was drafted and things like that. Sure, some guys that are drafted in the early rounds are going to be be on a longer leash they're gonna have more of an opportunity for you but if you're a later on guy you're an undrafted guy and you're thrown into the mix a little bit there you make the most of your reps you're prepared they're going to continue to give you more options and more opportunities and i I do want to acknowledge the players that uh were picked up as undrafted Mm -hmm. free agents because that is still a very big accomplishment a uh, a big mountain to climb but still uh congratulations to derek tangelo uh, picked up by atlanta ellis brooks to Green Bay, which I'm kind of still shocked Ellis Brooks didn't at least go in the He'll late have a rounds. chance. He'll have a chance to make it. I mean, he'll have a chance to make a it. A guy who, yeah. in my opinion, is built to be a 3-4 middle linebacker uh, in the National Football League. I, I can't wait to see what even, he does. Even special teams for him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Eric Wilson, who we've had on the show, uh, went to New Orleans. Uh, speaking of Carolina, again, uh, former running back John Lovett, who spent time at Baylor and then Penn State, uh, picked up by the Carolina Panthers. And then another Carolina Panthers, I mentioned Matt Rule loves his Penn State guys, uh, was Drew Hartlob. Now, Drew, you and I, I remember we texted each other because in the lead up to the draft, Drew Hartlob was part of the Penn State uh, Pro Day that took place for anybody heading to the draft. Drew, I don't think we even mentioned his name ever uh, on this podcast. I don't think he's was even mentioned during most broadcasts, even if he ever played in the game. Uh, Drew Hartlob was largely a special teams guy, I believe listed as a defensive back, if I'm not mistaken. The man ran a 4-2-2-40. That's crazy. That's crazy. And he got himself picked up by an NFL franchise. And like, it's the fascinating thing about uh, the draft process. And again, you know what this is all about. Sometimes it's just that one measurable that lights up a room, yeah. and all of a sudden he's going to get a chance to make a team. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that, it, it, all it takes is one team, right? And I think, like, you know, you create so much value for yourself by playing at a school like Penn State as well, right? Teams look at that, teams see that, um, you know, if you got some type of athletic ability and you could run and you can move well, team, te- teams teams will give you an opportunity. Yeah, and Hartlob, for the record, four two two forty 40-yard dash, it would have been the fastest time at this year's NFL scouting combine had he been invited. So hats off to yeah. Drew. That is that's impressive. Blistering speed, like yeah. McGloin like speed. I mean, what was your what was your forty? I think I ran like a at Penn State's pro day. 
I think I ran like a four eight seven or a four eight nine, something like respectable. that. Respectable. That yeah. is very respectable. Not te- not terrible. Yeah. No, but you it's re- like it's you, respectable. All, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Like all you you so from like whenever it was in the pro day was like April maybe or mm. but like ever since the season ends, that's all you do for like four months is just run forties, work your start, run forties. You know the three cone drill, and and like I, I've. I, like in the NFL, XFL, whatever it was, I probably never ran 40 straight yards in my entire career. No, no. But like, I get it. It is what it is, you know. Um, but like, even thinking back, Tom, to my draft experience, I, I remember sitting in Bill O'Brien's office after the season and talking about what's next, talking about the NFL. And like, I, I remember him saying, he's like, you can be a backup somewhere. Um, and actually I, 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 I remember sitting there like, well, thinking to myself, like, well, I could be a starter. Why can't I be a starter? <laughs> you know, because I thought to myself, I'm like, I could definitely play well. I can definitely start somewhere. Like I'm not in this to not play. Um, you know, I didn't make the combine, you know, which, which was, you know, I was definitely frustrated over that. I felt like I deserved to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, Penn state's pro day was a great opportunity for me to, you know, put a few good things, um, on film. There was, there was some teams there, um, you know, ran decent threw the ball, decent, had a good workout. Um, you know, and even like leading up to the draft, like I knew if I, if I was going to go, it would be late. Um, I had one call on draft day Hmm. and I don't know if I told the story before on the podcast. No, no. I had one call on draft day and I think it was during the sixth round and it was the Denver Broncos. Hmm. And they called me and they said, Hey, we have a pick in the seventh round. We're looking to take a quarterback. Um, seventh round came. They drafted a quarterback. It wasn't me. So who, do they, who do they wind up drafting? They took a kid from Miami of Ohio, Zach Dysert, his name was. Um, you know, and then like for me, like the phone, like draft draft ended, phone didn't ring much for me after that. Um, you know, I, I went. I ended up going to two rookie mini camps. I went to mini camp in Washington. I went to mini camp in Carolina. Um, you know, they'll tell you you did great, this and that. Didn't sign me after after either one of them. I came back home. I got a call from the Oakland Raiders. Flew out to Oakland. I threw I you know threw the ball maybe ten or twelve times. They signed me right after that. So it's just like there's a million different paths and a million different routes that you can take, Tom. It's just about that one team giving you that right opportunity. Um, and it's what you do with that opportunity. I can't imagine mentally what that <laughs> six-month span is like. And especially, as you mentioned, for an undrafted player to just be hoping it works out, hoping that you hook on somewhere, hoping yeah. that somebody calls you that you get an opportunity. You it's scary. You don't know because it's not like they're telling you every day, hey, you're going to be here. We're, we're, you're going to be on this team. Right, and no one's telling you, hey, if you do X, then you'll get picked up somewhere. You know what I mean? It's just it, there's so much uncertainty. Um, you just, you can't, you don't know what to expect. You know, it's it's literally one day at a time. You're fighting for reps. Um, you're learning a playbook, you know, working as hard as you possibly can day in and day out. Um, and just moving across the country sometimes away from friends and family. Yeah. And just hoping that, you know, you're doing the right things day in and day out. You're getting better. Um, you're taking the coaching, you're not making the same mistakes twice on the football field. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, you have to play well throughout training camp, play well throughout the preseason. And then if you're, it's a, it's like, if your phone doesn't ring on cut day, Tom, 
that means you made the team. Mm. So the whole day, you're praying your phone doesn't right. ring. I remember my first year, my mom called me. Like, <laughs> mom, don't call. Yeah, like my, my phone started ringing. I was like, like mom, mom, you can't be calling me right now. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so speaking of the, the, the draft evaluation process, uh, a story came out um, a couple days ago. We're recording this Tuesday. This airs Wednesday. Um, and I found it really deplorable. Uh, it was regard it was regarding uh, Jaquan Brisker. I mentioned this before in the show. We wanted to touch on this. Uh, as I talked about, Jaquan Brisker went in the second round of the Chicago Bears. Um, it came out uh, apparently during draft weekend that a Bears scout referred to Jaquan Brisker by what he believed to be anecdotal, uh, called Jaquan a PhD, which he said stood for poor, hungry, and desperate. Um, this Bears scout, former Bears scout, good on the Chicago Bears for firing him, uh, was saying this to an ESPN reporter into a live microphone, which that reporter then put out, and the guy lost his job, as he deserved to. Um, a, to have this said about anybody uh, is absolutely terrible, in my opinion. Uh, I also think that the Chicago Bears, if this is one guy within the organization speaking like this into a microphone, imagine what he's saying behind closed doors and imagine what the rest of the Chicago Bears scouting department actually looks like and what they're actually saying about players as are being evaluated. Um, the, the second I heard it, I was like, you know, Jaquan Brisker doesn't deserve this to, to be labeled that way. Um, obviously, the racial element gets uh, thrown in there um, and, and it's absolutely disgusting. Um, so when you saw the story come out, what did you think of it? Like, I want a guy like Brisker on my football team. Yeah. Like, you, uh, why, you, I, why I, say something I, that stupid? You look at his career, you look at his journey, a guy who started at a junior college school, went on to Penn state, became a leader and all big 10 player. Like he's, he will start for you immediately and he's going to play as long as he wants in the national football league. Tom, mm -hmm. and, and when it comes to these organizations, obviously we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. So like for me and my experience, like I've never had a problem with scouts, player personnel guys, or whatever title you have, but I've always felt that these scouts or player personnel people, it just seems like they're always trying to protect themselves, right? Well, well, Tom, he's 6'3", 245. He runs a 4'4", 40. Therefore, he must be a good football player because mm -hmm. everything's pointing to him being good. And then when, some, when someone doesn't end up developing into the player they thought they would, it, it just seems like they're like, well, he didn't develop or he just couldn't do it mentally. Like, well, I'm sorry, but that's your job to figure out if he could do it mentally, though, before the draft or before you bring him in to be a part of your organization. It's your job to figure it out mm -hmm. if he could be a major part of your team. And like that's like... Playing for a few teams, like you'd see guys and you'd see players be drafted and brought in. And I would always think, like, did anyone have a conversation with this guy? Did anybody talk to this guy? Because you know, he doesn't get it. He can't process the information. You know, he he was drafted in the what round? He was drafted in the third round. He was drafted in the fourth mm. round. Really? He 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 just he can't do it. You know, he's making the same mistakes over and over again. Sure, he's talented, but like playing like playing pro football is more than that. I want football players, I don't want athletes, I don't want robots. You know, I, I never played for scouts. I never played for a GM. I never played for anyone that wasn't on that field with me every day. I played for coaches and I played for my teammates, mm -hmm. you know, and which like towards the end of my career in the NFL, like 
when the GM wanted me cut or a player personnel guy wanted me cut or whatever like that, like I was always frustrated over that because I knew the coaches wanted me there. Um, and I was never like, I got cut in Kansas city, Houston, Philly, obviously I was never like thankful or happy for that opportunity because I felt like I deserved to be a part of that team. And I know the coaches wanted me there. You know, I got cut by a player personnel guy. I I won't say the team. Um, I got cut by a player personnel guy. I never spoke to him before until that day he cut me. Um, they needed a defensive player. So they cut me day one of the season about eight hours before my salary was fully guaranteed for the year. Um, I got uh, like, it's just like I got cut by another team, Tom. I walked mm. into the office and the general manager was sitting there on a physio ball and cut me from the team. You, you know what I mean? Like you're costing guys their jobs. And this is the approach that yeah, show some respect th- for another human being. This, this is the approach that you're taking, and, and maybe it's not everywhere. You know, I had great, I had a great um, career in Oakland. You know, I, I had so much respect for the people throughout that organization. Some people in that organization are lifelong friends. You know, so maybe it's just certain organizations. I don't know. Um, but look, at the end of the day, th- these guys don't care about you. The coaches care. Right, your teammates care, um, but the people—I've got the people that aren't on the field with you every single day, working hard, you know, to make you a better player or you know, trying to make the team better, or whatever. I, I just—I never felt like, you know, they cared about you as a person yeah. or you as a player, right? Yeah. Um, that, that's just like that, That's just my experience. Yeah, it's uh, you understand it's a it's a cutthroat, ruthless, heartless business at times. And, and I get it. I get you, it. You you understand that there has to be that business approach from mm-hmm. the front office. But uh, to label a kid poor, hungry, and desperate, uh, I thought was deplorable. Uh, and Jaquan Brisker is one of the toughest guys and one of the best football players uh, I believe Penn State has ever had. I couldn't believe he slipped into the second round. Uh, in my opinion, a first round draft pick. So he should be having a great career in Chicago. Chicago's lucky to have him considering the circumstance. Yeah. You know, and like even like looking back like the, just the way sometimes things are done is just like I like I got cut on a Monday by a team. And like so basically as a quarterback like the rosters are already set. Hmm. So like I was like, well, you should have cut me Friday. That way I have would have had the weekend to maybe join another team. Right. But now it's like but that's it. <laughs> right. The windows, the window came and went. That's yeah. it. Yeah. It, you know, it's just, I mean, I understand it as a business. I get it. I've been on the good side of the business, Tom. I've also been on the bad side of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, you're working your tail off for the organization. You know, it's your job. I think people forget that too. Right. I mean, we are fo- football players. We are athletes, but like that, that's our job as well. Yeah. Uh, best of luck to Jaquan Brisker because I know he's uh, going to handle this circumstance with class and it's only going to motivate him. And the one line I will take away from whatever this this person said about how football is his life, uh, in the best sense of that, yes, football is Jaquan Brisker's life. And the Bears are lucky to be getting such a high class uh, and highly talented football player altogether. So uh, I'm very curious to see all these players do uh, in the National Football League, hopefully representing Penn State in a positive manner. Uh, like you said, I will still always be disappointed that these players, you know, get good draft status and then go on to the NFL and have success. And it's like, man, couldn't you have done that with us? Wouldn't that have been great? Not that they didn't try their best and put up great numbers and all those things. But still, you'd like to see, as you mentioned, draft picks, 
uh, and wins be kind of tethered <laughs> a la the Georgia Bulldogs, for instance, are like 15 draft picks and $150 yeah, million. Crazy. It was just crazy ludicrous. So, um, well, that's all we have this week on the Pater podcast as we dive into uh, the summer and we'll see how everything progresses. So we'll see you next Wednesday for another edition of Pater. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.